Hey, this is Pastor Sam, and thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I want to start off this morning just being a little honest with you guys and transparent. Um, As I was preparing this week on what to talk about and what to share and what angle to take and what... Uh, content to bring forth. Um, this was like one of the hardest talks I've had to give. Um, you know, there's been two or three times where it's, it's taken me until Saturday night to finish what I'm going to talk about. And uh, this week was one of those. I, I, I wrote a talk and then I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. And so then I wrote another one. I was like, yeah, that, no, that's not going to work. And so I finished this one last night at 11 o'clock, uh, and so it was too late to start again. So this is the one you're getting. But, um, <laughs> but we're continuing our series that we're calling Shalom. And we started it two weeks ago. And we shared that Shalom is this concept of reconciliation. It's this concept of redemption. It's this concept of peace. It's this concept of flourishing. It's this concept of God's initial design and creative design for humanity. And we've kind of looked at this and we've said that it sort of plays out in these four harmonious relationships to where God desires a harmonious relationship in these four different areas in our lives. Then that kind of culminates to make up this shalom way of living for us. And so in week one, we looked at this idea that God desires a harmonious relationship between God and humanity between God and humanity. And so we spent a lot of time that week talking about how God desires closeness with us and God desires intimacy with us. God desires relationship with us. And so we asked the question, what is it that's keeping us apart from God? What is it that's keeping us from being close to God? And then in week two, last week, Bob shared about the relationship, the harmonious relationship between humanity and itself. Because oftentimes the church takes this approach and, and, and says that humanity in and of itself is evil and terrible and disgusting and horrible. And, uh, you know, we're scum, we're not worthy. And uh, God comes in and rescues. But, but Bob was like, well, wait a second. In Genesis, when God created humanity, he says, not only did he say this is good, he said this is very good. And that there, there is goodness in us. And one of the quotes that he gave towards the end of his talk last week that, you know, we put it up on social media this week and it's stuck with me ever since, is he, he said, overcoming sin is not about self-discipline. It's not this concept of I'll do better next time. I'll do better next time. He said that only the creator can repair the creation. And I was like, man, that is so true. And that is so powerful because so often we beat ourselves up and beat ourselves up to where we can't even have a good relationship with God or ourselves because we think we suck so bad, right? And so we've, it's been this sort of progression in the discussion. And so today we're talking about the harmony. So we talked about harmony between humanity and God. We talked about harmony between humanity and itself. Today we're talking about harmony between humanity and humanity with each other, getting along with each other, experiencing shalom with one another. And so this is so, so, so hard. Not only to just talk about, especially in light of recent events, it's not only hard to talk about, it's super hard to do. This might be one of the hardest relationships in this shalom concept. 
Because if you think about it, if you're talking about harmony between humanity and God, 50% of that equation really desires harmony. God really, really wants harmony with us. And so we just have to overcome ourselves to have harmony with God, right? And if we're talking about harmony with ourselves and having a harmonious relationship there and viewing ourselves the way God views us and intended us to view ourselves, again, we have to come overcome ourselves. We have to get through our own head and shift our own perspective to be good with ourselves. And same thing with creation. We have to just overcome ourselves in that relationship. But when we're talking about harmony between humanity and humanity, we have to overcome the other person's stupidity. We have to overcome our own stupidity, right? We have to overcome ourselves and overcome them overcoming themselves. And so it makes it extremely difficult and hard to sort of figure out because we have to overcome their opinions. We have to overcome their beliefs. We have to overcome their perspectives. We have to overcome our differences. We have to overcome the news source in which they gather their information. We have to overcome their political affiliation. We have to overcome a lot of stuff to get along with other people. And so it's very, very, very difficult to do. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the idea of experiencing shalom in our relationships. We're going to look at the idea of experiencing this sort of relationship with humanity, this reconciling, redemptive, flourishing relationship with other people. We're going to look at this idea of people actually getting along with one another. And we're going to look at the role that Christ followers should be playing in this. So let's pray together and then we'll jump in uh, to see what God has for us today. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the talented people on stage who, who brought their talent and abilities to share with the rest of us. I mean, that last song, when Anna sings it, I, every single time, I'm just like, yes, it's so good. And God, I thank you for the abilities that you've given the people here to pour into this community. God, I pray this morning that we would check our baggage at the door. If we had a bad work week, a tough work week, tough week with family, a tough week on social media, just a tough week in general, God, I pray that we'd be able to lay that at the foot of the cross and that that wouldn't trip us up and entangle our minds anymore, but that we would be open and available to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us today. God, I pray you'd remove me from the equation, but use me as a mouthpiece. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, you're probably the minority in the world. But if you have it, you can turn to the book of Mark chapter 12 or on your tablet or device. Or if you want to be really American, it'll be on the screen. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. This is going to be what we're talking about today. It says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. So what's happening here is that there's all these religious guys trying to trip up Jesus. They're trying to back him into, the, into a corner. They're asking him all these tough questions to see what his answers are so that if he answers incorrectly, they can like crucify him. See what I did there? See what I did there? They actually crucified. Okay. Sorry. So that's kind of what ha what's happening here, okay? They're trying to back him into a corner. And so it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him. So he's hearing Jesus like hit home run after home run after home run. And he's like, I got you. I, I, okay, I got you. Here you go. And he says, he says this, of all the commandments, 
which is the most important? So he's like, yeah. And he looks at his buddy. He's like, yes, I got him, dude. This is so good. Let's see what he says. Here's what Jesus says. He says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the point where probably their jaw dropped and they were like, you know, they all busted up. Oh, dang! Like explosion. You guys ever see that? When someone dunks in a basketball gym, it was like, oh, dang! You like start running. Le- no? You don't know? Y'all need to get out more. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Guys, that's Massive. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. They say, Jesus, what's most important? He says, most important is love God with everything that you are. Love God with all that you are, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he says, but, but that's not it. I'm not done. You see, the second one, it's in tandem. The second one is, is, is of equal importance because it's above everything else. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't say that the most important thing is to give money at church. He doesn't say the most important thing is to even go to church. He doesn't say the most important thing is to help little old ladies across the street. He doesn't say the most important thing is to take care of widows and orphans. That's that, I mean, these are all good things, but that's not what Jesus said. He doesn't say that the most important thing is listen to your pastor, subscribe to your podcast, and read his blogs. He says the most important thing is, first of all, love God with everything that you have. And just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard Barney sing it. You know? I love you, you love me. I mean, we've heard it. Half the people in this room grew up on Mr. Rogers. So we, we, we get it. But do we actually get it? Because do we do it? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I feel like churches are pretty good about the first part. Faith communities are pretty good about the first part, about teaching people and talking about loving God. Hey, love God. Hey, read your Bible because, you know, you got to love God. Hey, pray so you can have relationship with God and, and, you know, worship with your life and with your lifestyle and be generous and all stuff because of God and all this stuff. But it's like, we, churches are really good about talking about the first part of this, but what about the second part? How are Christians doing them in the second part? of loving your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing? Should we like throw all of our Facebook feeds up here and see what we're posting to take a litmus test of how we're doing at this? Probably not a good idea. How are we doing at loving our neighbors as ourselves? Because this is powerful. This is hard. This is really hard. This is the Trump supporter why are you laughing at that? It's only the first half of my uh, analogy here, okay? This is the Trump supporter 
loving the hashtag not my president person as much as they love themselves. This is the hashtag not my president person loving the Trump supporter as they love themselves. That's loving your neighbor. It's the educated, professional, well-to-do person loving the uneducated, home-free, struggling person as themselves. Not out of pity, but loving them as themselves and vice versa. This is the conservative loving the liberal as themselves. This is the liberal loving the conservative as themselves. This is the spiritual loving the secular as themselves. Are you ready for this one? This is the Christian loving the Muslim as themselves. Jesus says, this is the most important thing. Love God with all that you are and just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the saint loving the sinner as themselves. Just as much, if not more. It sounds nice and easy when Mr. Rogers says it. (laughs) But the reality of that is huge. You see, loving our neighbor is super difficult because many of us take on this mentality of an us versus them. We take this perspective of us versus them. We are over here and they are over there. We voted this way, they voted that way. We believe this, they believe that. We are so good, they are so bad. And we get this us versus them mentality that gets going with that as your perspective and that as your paradigm. There ain't no loving your neighbor taking place. Jesus doesn't say the most important thing is to love people that think like you and look like you and vote like you and believe like you and go to the same restaurants that you go to and dress like you and have the same worldview as you and have the same number of kids in you and are the same color as you and have the same background and everything. Those are the people that you're supposed to love. That's not what he says. That's not what he says, but yet so often is that how we live? So often, is that our response? Is that our perspective? Is that our perspective? You see, Bob Mitten, uh, when he spoke here, I don't even know how long ago this was. It had to be at least a year. I don't know. Everything's at least a year old. Bob said a quote that, that blew my mind. He said, loving our neighbor isn't about who they are. It's about who we are. Guys, that's huge. Loving your neighbor is not about who they are. It's about who we are. So we can look at someone who's a hashtag not my president, or we can look at someone who's a hashtag make America great again, and we can be on either side of the coin and we can look at them and say, I can't believe they're such an idiot. I can't believe they're so stupid. I can't believe they're so dumb. I can't believe that they don't think like I think. But listen, we don't love them because of who they are. We love them because of who we are that supersedes who they are. Does that make sense? That's what it looks like to love your neighbor. It's up to us. We can't wait for them to step up. We can't wait for somebody else to step up and make this happen because it's about who we are as a Christ follower. And so who are we? Well, let's go back to Mark chapter 12, verse 28 that we, that we just read. Who are we? We are people who are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, 
all of our mind, and all of our strength. Because if we're in a love relationship with God, how are we going to spew hate on other people? If we're in a love relationship with God, how are we going to talk about how stupid his creation is? How are we going to talk about how dumb they are and they should be thinking like us? That's who we are. We are people who love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, and and so this idea is, if this is us, then we should love our neighbor as ourselves. We can set it up and, and, and frame it that way. If we're loving the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then we're able to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's not always true. It always doesn't, it doesn't always happen. You know, I've seen some memes on Facebook that I would love to share because I think they're hilarious. But I've chosen to love my neighbor as myself. And I look at that and I say, is that going to be divisive? Or is that going to be unifying? Is that throwing my message out there? Or do I just want to be the love of God? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Loving our neighbors as ourselves is huge. And so love is kind of the foundation of this whole thing. There's this uh, couple, Jen and Brandon Hatmaker, who um, live in Texas, and they were pastors of a church. And um, I saw them speak at a conference recently, and they shared their new kind of life philosophy and their new sort of trajectory for life. They stopped being pastors. They stopped all this stuff. It helps because she's like a famous blogger, so they're like looted, so money's not an issue. But they decided that they're going to spend the rest of their life being good neighbors. That's, that's their goal. That's what they want to do. They want to be good neighbors. And Jen said something when they were talking that I jotted down in my notebook, and I was like, man, that is so powerful, and it's so true, especially in the light of the events of this past week. I mean, the inauguration on Friday made it seem like it was Super Tuesday all over again. It drummed up all kinds of emotions, all kinds of hate, all kinds of division, all kinds of polarization, all kinds of just separation, and it's crazy. And, and Jen Hatmaker said, God doesn't need more soldiers. He needs more neighbors. Guys, God doesn't need more soldiers. He needs more neighbors. He doesn't need you to win your debate on Facebook. He needs you to love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't need you to convert other people to your way of thinking. He needs you to love your neighbor as yourself. And so then the question arises, well, who's our neighbor? You know, because I only live next to two people. So I should be able to love, I don't live next to anybody. I live over here in a parking lot. So I ain't got no neighbors. So this job's easy for me. I can stand up here and tell you to love your neighbors all week long. I don't have neighbors. No, no, it's, it's not that kind of concept. A neighbor is whoever's near you. That's your neighbor. Whoever's near you at any given time, those are your neighbors. Those are the people closest to you. So at the grocery store, when you're walking around and you see that lady struggling hard with her kids, that's your neighbor. You see the guy that's in a super big hurry and pushing everybody else out of the way? That's your pastor. Um, I mean... I mean, that's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. That guy needs grace. Um, You know, when you see all these different people in the grocery store, when you see all these different people, you know, at your work, these are your neighbors. This is your sphere of influence. These are the people that you should be loving as yourself. Your family, those are your neighbors. Your extended family, your Uncle Charles, who's a total idiot, that's your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. The people who live on your street, yeah, those, those are your neighbors too. And yes, they hear you fighting at eight o'clock in the morning, getting your kids in the car. They hear that. Even though you think they don't, they do. Those are your neighbors as well. The people in this room, the people in this church, we're your neighbors. We're each other's 
neighbor, the people at the restaurant that you're eating with, that you're eating around, that you're sitting in there, those are your neighbors. The people at the gas station that you see on the regular because you only go to Kroger gas stations because you use Kroger Field Points, obviously. So the same teller you talk to every day at the Kroger gas station, that's your neighbor. And Jesus says the most important thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You want to experience shalom in your relationships? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to see the American people united and healed and reconciled, then love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to see justice and mercy and loyalty and equality and unity and peace, you want to see these things? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I know it sounds easier than it really is because it sounds simple, you know? It sounds really simple, but it's not because oftentimes people do really bad things, you know? And oftentimes people do really, really mean things. And oftentimes people do really, really hurtful things. They do really, really scary things. They do really, really stupid things. This, this happens, but here's the deal. That doesn't give us license to be a bad neighbor. Do you hear me? That doesn't give us license to be a bad neighbor. People can do scary things. People can do stupid things. People can do mean things. People can do horrible things, but that doesn't change who we are, right? That doesn't give us license to be a bad neighbor because again, it's not about who they are. It's about who we are. And we're under the banner of love, the love of Jesus. There's another quote that I heard probably, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. And I've quoted it here at church at least a dozen times. It's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal quote. It's by this guy named Richard Rohr. And he says, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. Oppositional energy only creates more of the same. The best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. Again, it's not about who they are. It's about who we are. If things get all crazy and screwed up and jacked up, it's, there's no w- w- protesting, busting windows out of Starbucks. Oppositional energy only creates more of the same. The best practices are to be better, are to do better, are to be better. If I could only say two things this morning, this would be one of them. The other would, would be to say, get off of social media. I would say, get off social media. And then I would say, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. Oppositional energy only creates more of the same. So the guy that we started with up here, Mr. Rogers, um, his story is super, super cool, super, super interesting. Mr. Rogers ran a show on PBS every single day for 33 years, 33 years. And so he didn't as a child, think, ooh, I'm going to be a TV star. I'm going to make all this stuff happen. Actually, he got his bachelor's in music composition. And so all that like crazy piano licks at the beginning, like 
Mr. Rogers is jamming out, right? And so he got his bachelor's in music composition and then he went to a Pittsburgh seminary to become a pastor. He was a uh, Presbyterian minister. But he looked at the climate of television, of children's television, and he said, this stuff is garbage. There's nothing on here that's educational. There's nothing on here that's positive, that's affirming, that helps children have self-confidence in who they are and that helps children learn. And so you know what he did? He went to Washington and he became a lobbyist and a politician to change policy and... Wait, no, he didn't do that. He chained himself to the doors of the TV station and he marched on it and he made signs and rallies and he... No, wait, hang on, no, he didn't do that either. He made better. He said, I see this junk and I'm going to do better. I'm going to create better. I'm going to be the change that I hope to see in the world. I'm not going to make a bunch of fuss on Facebook. I'm not going to make a bunch of noise, hollow noise. I'm not going to show up to an event one day and then the next day go back to living life. He says, every day for 33 years, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make the best children's show I can make. I'm going to bring life into this. For 33 years, I'm going to speak life into children. I'm going to speak encouragement to children. I'm going to be the TV show that kids need to be watching. Do you see this? Mr. Rogers says, I'm going to be the neighbor that I need to be. He says, won't you be my neighbor? He says, well, you want to join me? Because I'm doing it. I'm not just talking about it. I'm doing it. You want to come join me? You want to come do this with me? It was positive proactivity rather than negative combative reactivity. Because like Richard Rohr says, oppositional energy only creates more of the same. He could have boycotted the TV shows. He could have rallied all the churches to be against TV just like they were against Disney in the late 80s, early 90s. And then they look like fools in the late 90s when they were like, yeah, I guess Disney's okay. He could have done that, but he didn't. He said, you know what? That just creates more noise. That just creates more chaos. That just creates more junk. I'm going to actually do something about it. He says, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And so the question is, what about you? What are you going to do? What are you actually going to do about it? What are you going to do to be a good neighbor? Are you being a good neighbor? Maybe you are. You know, I'm not going to stand up here and be like, oh, I'm the best neighbor ever and you guys all suck. Like that's, that's not what's happening here, okay? What about us? Are we going to be good neighbors? Are we going to do our part? Are we chasing unity? Are we chasing this shalom in our relationships? Are we waving the banner of love in every aspect and area of our lives? Is that who we're being? Are we loving our neighbors as ourselves? And again, I'm not talking about the people that look like us and think like us and dress like us and believe like us and vote like us and watch the same news channels as us and all of this. I'm not talking about that because you can get with your posse and act like you're loving them all you want. If you're a hashtag not my president, have you invited any hashtag make America great again people out to lunch to talk about it? Have you had a conversation? Or are you too busy buying into rhetoric and sharing the rhetoric and thinking that that's gonna proselyte people? Because it's not. Oppositional energy just creates more of the same. Do you hear me? Are you really chasing unity and shalom in your relationships or are you chasing to be right? Are you chasing to get people to think what you think and trying to convince and trying to win? Or are you really chasing unity? Are you really chasing understanding? Are you really chasing this shalom type 
of relationship. Because like Jen Hatmaker said, God doesn't need more soldiers fighting and battling and trying to win arguments and win debates. God doesn't, God needs more neighbors. God needs more people loving other people because that's the most important. Loving God and loving people, that is the most important. And it's not about who your neighbors are. It's about who we are. Are we gonna rise up and be the change that we hope to see in this country and in this world and in this lifetime? Are we gonna rise up and be the change that we hope to see? Because the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. Because like I said, oppositional energy only creates more of the same. And so the question you need to ask yourself is, are you being a good neighbor? Are you a good neighbor? Are you asking the question, do you need anything? How can I serve you? How can I help you? Yeah, I know you voted this way and I voted that way. Yeah, I know you think I'm an idiot and I think you're an idiot. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can we make this right? How can we live in unity? How can we live in peace? How can our relationships flourish in spite of our differences? Are these the questions that we're asking? Are these the perspectives that we're approaching life with? Are we reaching unity with those who are different than us? Are we reaching relationship with those who are different than us? Because here's the deal. The church should be spearheading this conversation nationwide. The church should be the loudest voice in all this noise. Not because we smack people upside the head with our sword of truth, hallelujah, by golly, and hit them with the Bible. That's not why we should be the loudest voice. We should be the loudest voice because we have the love of God that we're able to receive and then also reflect. And so we should be entering these conversations saying, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I love? And when we do that, that is going to ring so much louder than your really condescending memes that you're sharing. I promise. It's going to mean so much more on a heart level, on a soul level. And so the church should be spearheading this conversation. They asked Jesus, they said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is here. O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and with all your social media posts. This is the new Sam revised version. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Jesus said that's the most important. Love God and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this morning as the band, they're going to lead us in one song really quick. And I, I want to give you guys a sort of opportunity to say, how can I make a shift? Maybe you need to bust out your phone right now and go through your timeline and go, delete, 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 delete. Shouldn't have posted that, shouldn't have posted that, shouldn't have posted that. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to get on there on Messenger and say, hey, I'm sorry for my last post. Hey, I'm sorry that we've been fighting about this, but you know what? I love you. Let's get some coffee. If you don't drink coffee, let's get some hot chocolate. That's more my flavor. Right? Maybe you need to bust out your phone and do something right now. Maybe you need to have a conversation after church. Call that uncle that at Christmas you guys got in a big family blowout over politics. And you need to say, hey, you're my uncle. We're family. I love you. I'm sorry. 
It's not about what your uncle said. It's about who you are as a follower of Christ. And Christ says the most important thing is to love God and to love people. So I want to give you guys an opportunity to just kind of reflect on that and think through that and say, how can I be a better neighbor? Maybe you are a good neighbor. Maybe this, maybe you're not even on Facebook. Maybe you do love the people around them. You need to ask yourself, how can I be better? How can I be a better neighbor? Because Jesus says, that's the most important thing. How can I do this better? Because we can all do this better. Myself included. I'm not sitting on my high horse saying I got this stuff under control because I don't. But together, how can we love God more? And how can we love people better? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. And I pray as we just take this opportunity to pause and to reflect. I pray that you would illuminate in our hearts some things that maybe we're holding on to and saying, nah, Sam's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But God, I pray that you would illuminate in our hearts any areas that we are not being a good neighbor, that we are not portraying and illuminating and screaming from the rooftops love and I pray that you would challenge and inspire us to make changes so that our life is a reflection of who you are that our life is a reflection of your love and that we would love those around us not because of who they are but because of who we are and that we would realize that you don't need more soldiers you need more neighbors and that we would realize that the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better because oppositional energy only creates more of the same. God, I pray that you would use the people in this room to spearhead this conversation and that we would make a difference in the world that we live in. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, challenged you, and that you experience true life change. Make sure you head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc.